Guess who's Blizzak? It's the boy Frank Wizite. Frankly speaking, real talk. Been a little while, but uh, let's get to it. I want to start by picking up where I left off with the beauty of blackness. Uh, the NBA has done a magnificent job in its restart in the bubble of keeping the focus of Black Lives Matter on issues and lives of black people instead of all the noise that we're hearing about riots and Marxism and Antifa. Being black is as much about the individual experience, as much about a queer liberal writer in Los Angeles as it is about a God-fearing moderate preacher in South Carolina or a Republican small business owner in Texas. Uh, in light of Joe Biden mistakenly saying black people are not comparatively diverse, I want to push back on that strongly by highlighting the diversity and complexity of the black experience. When we say black lives matter, a big part of that is understanding that black people are not some monolithic single-minded existence that is going in a straight line from slave ships to protesting angrily in the streets. Like everyone else, there are nuances to our upbringing and experiences and character. My sibs and I, for example, grew up with the same parents in the same household. Shout out to the triad and the Fantastic Four. But to know us is to know completely distinct, unique individuals with our own thoughts, opinions, traits, hangups. We're all black, but even we are not all black in the same way. And one of the keys to understanding blackness and unlocking equality is to understand how important that distinction of individuality and experience is. Looking towards diversity needs to be about finding strength and learning in order to achieve greater levels of excellence in our communities, our organizations, our country, and our society. It's not a detriment to engage or look to people who don't always look the same or think the same or come from the same place. People have different traits and cultures and characteristics that make them uniquely talented and special. And that's dope, y'all. In fact, it's the secret ingredient that can actually make America great instead of being mired in this mediocrity and mental illness that we deal with. I honestly hate when people say they don't see color. To me, it's insulting. And it's also either a lie or a flaw. People should see color and culture and all the differences in individuals that define who people are, including race. You may not see color because all you see is black. And being black in America is being a part of our very own colorful rainbow that has done so much for the rich culture and history of this country. So enjoy it. Be proud of it. Soak it in. With that, I'll be back on the flip with the summer movie real talk and the beauty and colorful rainbow of blackness in summer movie. All right, y'all, you're going to have to get used to hearing me say this, but 
I love summer movies. I grew up adoring them as a kid in the 80s, then my teenage years, 90s, uh, as I started to get into my 20s. And I fell back a little bit because, you know, life happens, but still made sure to get to the movies every once in a while. Um, and now back at it, drive-ins, movie club, movie pass. Um, movies are my thing, and summer movies were really a defining part of my childhood, something that I just absolutely loved and adored. And so not having them, eh, it's, you know, kind of a pain. But like I said, thanks to technology, it's allowed me to go back and look at some of the movies that I haven't seen before from a different scope, you know, as an adult and whatnot. But, you know, speaking of summer movies... Once upon a time, it was the 70s, and summer blockbusters did not exist. And then, in 1975, a movie called Jaws came out, changed the game. And that was really the official kickoff of the summer blockbuster, and 35 subsequent years of summer movies. Of course, black back then, black people were making their own movies, unfairly called black exploitation films, when really they were kind of a inner-city black hero genre. Yes, sure, some were pimps and crooks, but others were hardworking people just fighting the man, P.I.s and nurses. Some of them were classics, man. The Shafts and Superfly, Foxy Brown, Hell Up in Harlem, The Mac, Dolomite. And they were beloved in the black community. But by the start of the 80s, they were gone. And the only black people still starring in mainstream Hollywood movies were basically, you know, Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier and Richard Pryor. But then came Eddie Murphy who changed the game again. Um, he was already on his way to becoming a star just from his iconic SNL stint when he made his film debut in 48 Hours. And then the film he followed that up with came in the summer of 1983, Trading Places. The movie was a big hit, remains a comedy classic. And then the success of that movie allowed him to get his first starring role a year later in Beverly Hills Cop. A mega blockbuster. It made like $300 million in 1984 money. That's bread, especially for a young, you know, fast-talking black dude. It, it, it was a hit. And so by the time the sequel came out in the summer of 1987, Eddie Murphy was the biggest star in Hollywood, and that was the biggest hit of the summer in 1987. And real talk, it is a phenomenal action comedy. Perfect summer movie, directed by the underrated late great Tony Scott, who doesn't get enough credit. And he had directed the hit of the previous summer, 1986, with Top Gun. Anyway, Eddie Murphy then came back the following summer in 1988 and scored yet another monster hit with the iconic Coming to America. And that's arguably the funniest rom-com ever made. Also the start of Eddie Murphy in multiple roles phenomenon that he's perfected now. Full disclosure, I am an Eddie Murphy stan, and I will be highlighting him and singing his praises over the course of this and other summer movie podcasts. But anyway, while Eddie was cracking the mainstream, a young man named Spike Lee made his debut in the summer of 1986 with a low-budget, decidedly black, black people, that is, sex comedy called She's Gotta Have It. It was super indie with a shoestring budget, and it made... Seven million on less than two hundred thousand dollars. That's quite the turnover, you know. I mean, so he follows that up with school days, and then he sets the industry ablaze with his heated, controversial masterpiece, "Do the Right Thing," in the summer of nineteen eighty nine. 
Um, I'm going to drop a review on this at some point because it was a seminal movie, and I'm going to see it at the drive-in thanks to Michael B. Jordan, and then I watched it when it streamed for free in late June. So I want to see it kind of on the big screen because I've never done that before. But nonetheless, it paved the way for a decade of iconic black films and star performances by adding texture to a robust 90s summer movie experience with the diversity and experience of black superstars, actors, performers, etc. See, without Spike Lee, we never get the house party sleeper hit that comes in the spring of 1990. And we may not even get Eddie Murphy ballooning to as big as he was, making his big dollars in the mainstream, you know, some kind of lackluster summer sequels to his 48 Hours and the Beverly Hills Cop 3 debacle. But Spike built on his name with offbeat summer hits about blackness. He had the 1990 Mo' Better Blues, which was the first romantic lead for Denzel Washington. And he comes out in 1991 with Jungle Fever, which was the first romantic lead for Wesley Snipes. But that was about interracial relationships. And then in 94, he has a 70s coming-of-age story called Crooklyn. So there you have three summer movies, none of which were big blockbusters, but were iconic summer films in their own way. And that paved the way for John Singleton to release his masterpiece, Boys in the Hood, in the summer of 1991. Now, that was not only a surprise hit at the box office, but resulted in Singleton being the youngest nominee for Best Director. And again, I got to watch that movie again this summer, and it is a masterpiece about the importance of fathers and relationships of fathers and sons, fathers that are there, fathers that are missing. If you haven't seen Boys in the Hood, I cannot recommend it highly enough. 92 took notice and just gave us a summer chock full of black comedies. Um, another Eddie Murphy classic, Boomerang. It was a hit, not a huge hit, but it's aged beautifully. And of course, it had that wonderful cast, Martin Lawrence, Chris Rock, Halle Berry, Robin Givens, David Allen Greer, John Witherspoon, Tisha Campbell. I adore that movie. 92 also gave us Damon Wayans and his brother uh, Marlon and Stacey Dash and Mo Money. Uh, gave us the animated tribute to the recently passed uh, comic genius Robin Harris with his Bebe's kids. And Summer of 92 also gave us an underrated high school identity switch comedy class act with Kid and Play who don't get enough credit for being the pioneers that they were. All of them are the kind of fun funny movies that were black without screaming about being black. Just fun, great summer experiences at the movies with people that look like me. I loved it. Seemed like that was kind of the summer apex of that genre, but we still got more diversity back then. Summer of 93 gave us the unflinching hood masterpiece Minister Society, which was dark, dark. And also the John Singleton follow-up, which was a romantic road trip movie starring Janet and Tupac, which didn't really hit that big, but it's still a lovely film. And kind of what you started to see was Hollywood taking notice and starting to feature and cultivate black actors as genuine movie stars. Whitney Houston wasn't really in the summer movie, but... She dropped Bodyguard and went from a music star to a movie star, and that was just amazing at the time. And then we watched as Denzel Washington started to become a household name and sensation, and his 1995 thriller Crimson Tide showed that he could lead a major blockbuster summer movie. 
course, then came Will Smith with the Big Willie style, who was Mr. Fourth of July after Independence Day and Men in Black came the biggest hits in back-to-back summers in 1996 and 1997. Martin, his bad boy partner, started to make noise at the summer box office. Also, Nothing to Lose, very underrated comedy with Tim Robbins. If you haven't seen that, highly recommend that, summer 97. And then Big Mama's House was a huge hit that started the new millennium in 2000. You had Chris Tucker riding a standout sidekick route to stardom. Friday, of course, first. Then he doubled up in 1997 in the summer with the action sci-fi hit, cult classic Fifth Element, another movie I love, Bruce Willis, Mia Jovovich. And then he had a late summer sleeper that same summer, 1997, Money Talks with Charlie Sheen. And people were like, oh, he, he might have something going here. And that's when he hit the box office jackpot with Jackie Chan in 1998's Rush Hour, spawned two sequels. Angela Bassett also made a name for herself summer movies. She was in Boys in the Hood alongside Larry Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne, and then turned around and got herself an Oscar nomination alongside Lawrence Fishburne, who did the same in What's Love Got to Do With It. That was back in summer 93. And then she was in the uh, Terry McMillan adaptation of how Stella got her groove back in 1998. And made more money, more money. And meanwhile, Wesley Snipes, he's the one that actually brought Marvel back to the big screen as Blade in 1998, following on the slight resurgence of superheroes, kind of darker, with Michael Jai White's Spawn in 1997. Meanwhile, you still had Danny Glover as Myrtle, helping to make the Lethal Weapon series hits, Summer 89, Summer 91, Summer 98. Spike and Denzel retained for He Got Game early in the summer of 98. Eddie Murphy successfully transitioned into family-friendly hits. 9-6, Nutty Professor, 9-8, Dr. Doolittle. And then he went back to black ensemble comedy in 1999 with Life, while we had a new class of faces, Omar Epps, Tay Diggs, Lisa Ray, making their name known in another black ensemble comedy, The Wood, which, if you haven't seen that, another Wonderful movie, wonderful movie. The black movie theaters, or the movie theaters, I should say, in the 90s were full of black movies and black stars, just like TV and the radio. Fortunately, it seemed like that turned out to be the peak as movies turned towards sequels and franchises and comic books and franchise comic book sequels in the new millennium. Still had stars, and they still shine in summer movies in the new millennium, just not quite as many and not as brightly. Um, Keenan Ivory Wayans did stumble into a mega hit summer franchise with the scary movies. And uh, Spike Lee's Kings of Comedy, uh, that was a concert comedy film with, uh, with you had uh, Bernie Mac. Shout out to Bernie Mac, who got some of that Ocean's 11, 12, 13 summer movie money. Uh, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer, and Steve Harvey, who obviously went on to be some big-time game show host and writer of weird books, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but that was Spike's only release of the decade. His cousin Malcolm Lee had a modest summer hit with Eddie Griffin and Dave Chappelle and the Undercover Brother, and his um, Best Man franchise, which was more of a holiday franchise, was a hit. But movies like Love and Basketball and Love Jones and stuff like that, they were dumped in the spring and didn't get to shine in the summer's like the 90s highlighted black films. Um, 
Singleton did drop Baby Boy in the summer of 2001 and then ended up doing the Fast and Furious sequel, uh, replacing Vin Diesel with Tyrese, who was in Baby Boy with him. But after that, he kind of fell off of the movies. Um, Sam Jackson did finesse his way into Star Wars and made money with silly stuff like Deep Blue Sea and Snakes on a Plane. And Will Smith still made movies that made money. You know, you've seen iRobot or Hancock, Bad Boys 2, which some people love more than any of the other Bad Boys. Not in that category, but, you know, still love Bad Boys 2. Still love Will Smith and Martin, who also faded after the Big Mama's House movies and the Bad Boys sequel. Chris Tucker did a couple more rush hours, and that was that. Meanwhile, Eddie Murphy went full family-friendly and drove the Shrek cartoon series to the highest animated franchise in history. Um, but that was that was what was going on back then. Um, I would say that we did have two breakout stars from the decade. Halle Berry, she jumped on the movie hero gravy train as Storm and X-Men series and uh, drove a trash John Travolta action movie to hit status with a uh, blink and you'll miss it topless scene. She also won an Oscar, so, you know, kudos to her. I still think she could have done more, but that was Hollywood in the 2000s. Jamie Foxx also got an Oscar of his own and some nice summer movie reps with Collateral co-starring Tom Cruise and Miami Vice co-starring Colin Farrell in the mid-2000s. But it was just a little bit dry, and the election of President Obama didn't result in the 90s renaissance of black stars on summer movie screens. Kevin Hart did rise to the level of the black comic that's in every movie status and made a lot of coin with the stand-up and the Think Like a Man sequel based on the um, uh, Steve Harvey book that I never read. And he also had his first buddy comedy with The Rock that's you know, started a relationship that's made both of them big stars. Denzel also tried out the action lane, Two Guns, Equalizer 2, and Sam Jackson, of course, was in all the Marvel movies. All the Marvel movies. But what was cool is we started to see more movies featuring stories from black perspectives again, not just black people starring in movies. We had Fruitvale Station and Blind Spotting and Dope and Sorry to Bother You. And those begot a trio of surprise sleeper blockbuster hits. The Butler, Straight Out of Compton, and Girls Trip were all directed by black filmmakers. Shout out to Lee Daniels. Shout out to F. Gary Gray. Shout out again to Malcolm Lee. And all of them surpassed 100 million, which proved that, yes, black people like seeing themselves on screen and guess what so do white people and latinx people and asian people people like good movies and black people can make good movies when given the chance and so you know with the combination of new voices in front of the camera and behind the camera and new talents ava duvernay uh ryan coogler steve mcqueen I hope that means that we get a lot more opportunity to show the diversity of black voices and the kind of quality films that we can make in the future. Of course, 2020 summer movie lineup was scheduled to take things full circle with the two people most responsible for the success of the diverse slate of black performers and artists, Eddie Murphy, who had the 2020 summer release of Coming to America, the sequel, Push back to the holidays, hopefully. And Spike Lee, 
who moved the 2020 release of his movie, The Five Bloods, from the theater to Netflix. And if you've seen that, controversial, but it's always good to see a Spike Lee movie. Nobody makes a movie like Spike Lee. He's all his own. So shout out to Spike and Eddie and Wesley Snipes and the late John Singleton and the late Bernie Mac and Angela Bassett and Halle Berry and Kid and Play and the Wayans Brothers, Denzel and Will and Janet and Martin and Pac and all the beautiful rainbow of talented black men and women who made my summers so enjoyable over the years, y'all. So shout out to Black Lives Matter, Black Voices Matter, Black Art Matters, Black Entertainment is a beautiful thing. Real talk. Peace. Man, come on now. Shout out to summer movies. Uh, I goofed a little bit. Movies have been out 45 years. 75 was 45 years ago when Jaws first made its debut. But like I said, I love summer movies. And I spent so many summers just sitting in dark air-conditioned theaters on hot summer days with my popcorn and my soda and my Twizzlers. That was my candy of choice back in the day. Um, watching all kinds of movies with all kinds of actors, especially, like I said, seeing people of color like myself, uh, the Eddies and Martins cracking me up and the top-notch drama from Spike Lee and Angela Bass and Denzel Washington, watching Will Smith become this big action sci-fi movie star and seeing Halle Berry become a star. It was such an important part of my adolescence. And it, I mean, it still brings out the kid in me. Um, and what's cool about it is watching now a new generation of filmmakers and stars come out and do their thing as we get the, the Jordan Peels and the Ava DuVernay's and the Ryan Coogler's behind the camera, along with the Issa Rays and the Zendaya's and uh, Chadwick Boseman. And shout out to Michael B. Jordan. Big time shout out to Michael B. Jordan because not having movies this summer could have driven me crazy. And even though they're coming back in the next couple of weeks, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go because, you know, it is a lot of cases. We're spiking and more cases is not necessarily. No, it's definitely not because we're testing more contrary to presidential belief. But not having the movie theater could have been a mess. But Michael B. Jordan did the thing. He joined with Amazon and did a summer driving series that was fantastic it had themes and people of color and movies with you know inspirational ideas of love and um togetherness and you know pride and finding your inner child uh he started out with love and basketball and crazy rich asians and then it was black panther and creed spider-man into the spider-verse which is one of my favorites with hook and then most recently i went to see the double feature of get out and do the right thing I'm not going to go into Get Out too much because that's not a summer movie, though it could have been. But if you haven't seen it in a while, definitely check it out. It definitely gets much better on the rewatch. Um, but like I said, Spike Lee is one of the pioneers of summer movies. And uh, I forgot to mention that 
uh, Black Klansman was one of his biggest hits summer movie and actually got him an Oscar. And then earlier this summer, he released The Five Bloods on Netflix. If you haven't seen that, it's quirky. Uh, he made some really interesting choices. Excellent performance by Delroy Lindo. Uh, maybe a little heavy handed, but it's on Netflix. Highly recommend checking that one out about uh, Vietnam vets who go back to Vietnam to bring home the remains of one of their fallen homeboys and also some stashed gold uh like i said check that one out but do the right thing having just seen it it is an absolute masterpiece if you're not familiar it's a 1989 movie about a neighborhood in brooklyn new york bed uh during the summer and the hottest day of the year and it's just you know, basically about all the people that populate this neighborhood, the black and brown people that live, love and work there. And the cast is phenomenal. They're played by like Spike Lee himself and Ozzie Davis and Ruby D and Rosie Perez. Martin Lawrence is in it. Samuel L. Jackson, late greats like Bill Nunn and Robin Harris, R.I.P. He is hilarious in the movie. You also have a little friction because there's an Italian gentleman and his sons uh, played by Danny Aiello and then Richard Edson and the great John Turturro. And they have differing views on the neighborhood and what's going on. And it also even covers the Korean store owners and the local police. And as the day gets longer and hotter, the frustrations and the passions simmer more and more under like the scorching intense heat that's captured in every frame. And then the movie just builds and builds into one of the more complex and layered and definitely explosive climaxes possibly in cinematic history. And I mean, the skill with which the movie is made, the things it has to say, and all the way it says them, is it's as powerful today, if not more so, than it was in 1989. And I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Now, I'm gonna say the movie is uncomfortable at places, but what can you say? I mean, it is a fascinating look at race and racism and prejudice and community and economic disparities and it even talks about climate change and fatherhood and uh, police brutality and things that affect communities all over the country today. I really cannot recommend or give Spike Lee enough props uh, for Do the Right Thing, five-star classic, and his overall contribution to the culture of cinema and summer movies and the bright, beautiful rainbow of blackness and all its flaws and all of its greatness. So definitely check that out. Check out all of these movies that I recommended, all the Eddie Murphy classics and Chris Tucker and Will Smith and Wesley Snipes and Angela Bassett, The Boys in the Hoods and The Coming to Americas. Check them out, y'all. Um, black is beautiful. And until next time, stay safe, stay smart, and please arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain. To quote the great Dr. King, without justice, there can be no peace. Peace. Bye.